Good afternoon, everybody. This is Made in EDH. Sorry about the delay. Um, some weirdness has happened recently. There's been a lot of fires causing me the lung issues, so I postponed a little bit because of that. Yeah, um, it's been nasty out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it sure has. Uh, so... Today's episode uh, was something we already talked about um, last time, I believe, which was uh, what I'm calling AFR, which is everyone's referring to the Adventures in the Forgotten Realms D&D magic set. Um, but I'm calling it the Wholesome Magic Set. And I have to say, this is one of those magic sets I appreciate because there wasn't something that was just overly broken. and game breaking like other formats have other like sets have come out recently have had some of these this one has just been kind of different that way it's been like the old school kind of like janky stuff the kind of things i love so this is the wholesome set yeah it's been super fun i really like the dungeon mechanic i think that's something that we can that they'll maybe like play off of in the future and we'll see some more interesting mechanics like that. Yeah, um I think dungeon mechanics sadly is probably gonna be like one of those one and done deals until like we come back to like a D D set or something, I think. But I would love to see things like the dungeon mechanic that we could see more in the future. Yeah. Sorry if I made a little noise there. I'm charging my phone because it is dying and I can't give it CPR. That would just be weird, okay? <laughs> you could try. Um, but yeah, like, I think AFR is one of the best sets that have come out in a long time because there is not anything overly powerful and it's just, it's so jank. Yeah. So we're doing this like we did with Strixhaven, where we're doing two mythics, two rares, two uncommons, two commons, and two noticeable picks that aren't in the field of the others. So, um, and with that, Kayla, would you like to start us off? Uh, sure. So, are we starting with the mythics or commons? Uh, up to you. Uh, whatever you want to start with, I will follow suit. Well, let's start with the commons, I guess, then. Uh, lead up to the good stuff, I see. Yeah. <laughs> so, the first common I chose was Thieves' Tools. Um, it's an artifact equipment. Costs one and one black. When it enters the battlefield, create a treasure token. And equipped creature can't be blocked as long as its power is three or less. Um, and its equipped cost is two wow so i just love this card because obviously when it enters battlefield you get it basically costs one to play i mean you get um that additional mana with the treasure token and then its ability so i'm thinking with the death touch deck that's running around um, equipped creature can't be blocked as long as its power is three or less. That just is really strong. You know, you get your opponents in the early game with the uh, poison counters. That's that's gonna hurt. 
thieves tools you said yep okay oh it's a block oh i did not cash out my bad but damn that is a good card right <laughs> like um this is a really nasty thing i think like um, there's a few things where this sits in. I think this is great in Doran, the Siege Tower decks, you know? Mm. Where he doesn't have power, but he hits with his booty instead. Yeah. He's unblockable with this. Right. <laughs> hmm. Big booty man coming in with the sleeves tools to smack you. Hear that thunder clap. <laughs> <laughs> I think this would be a really fun card in a lot of those big booty decks like that. Yeah. Um, like the big toughness matters things. Um, even like some of these like weird like um Raving Dead. Are you familiar with that one? Yeah. That's um, a scary one. I think Raving Dead is super nasty with this. Um uh, sorry, I'm pulling it up so I can tell our listeners if they don't know. Uh, it's kind of a high-costed zombie. Uh, Raving Dead is a four colorless, one black, death touch, two six zombie. At the beginning of combat on your turn, choose an opponent at random. Raving Dead attacks that player this combat if able. Whenever Raving Dead deals combat damage to a player, they lose half their life total rounded down. With these Man. tools, this Raving Dead is unblockable. Enjoy losing half your life. <laughs> Gonna find uh, other ways to kill it. <laughs> yeah, you gotta you gotta kill it very fast before this starts like nuking your life total because losing half your life in commander is huge. No matter what deck you're playing, losing half your life total is a nasty problem to have happen to you. But Thieves Tools, that is a that is an excellent comment. I have to admit, I I don't think I've seen that card. So I'm very happy to hear about it because I did not know that thing existed. Yeah, it's pretty nasty. Oh, <laughs> uh, sweet. Any uh, Anything else you want to mention on that? Uh, nope. Okay. I will go on to my common, which I picked leather armor, also an equipment. It's one colorless artifact equipment. Equipped creature gets plus zero, plus O. Oh, I mean, uh, plus zero, plus one. I'm sorry. <laughs> and has ward one. Ward one means that um, if it becomes a target of spell or an ability opponent controls, counter it unless that player pays one. And it has an equip zero. Activate only once each turn. I think this card is so good. <laughs> Yeah, I considered this card, too, actually. <laughs> like, I mean, Ward 1 is not the greatest, but, like, at the same time, they have to pay an additional mana to target it. I mean, yeah, sure, like, the one-drop removals aren't going to care, but, like, well, maybe they have, like, a four-drop removal that now costs five mana. And the fact that it's equipped zero means that this is one of the more effective equipments because you can equip it the turn you play it. Without, like, it being horrendously expensive like normal equipment is. Yeah. And for a common, I think that's really powerful. Mm-hmm. 
I don't think there's much more we could say about this equipment except that it's pretty solid and like you know, if you play any of those uh, rune cards from Kaldheim, you can just enchant the leather armor, and man, you have you have quite the suited up thing. <laughs> Pretty overpowered. Yeah, I really like the ward mechanic too. Yeah, I really, I really love it. Like, I think ward is what hexproof maybe should have been. I mean, yeah. Hexproof's awesome, but there's so many ways to get around it. And Ward, there's nothing yet that just negates Ward, except the fact that you have to pay the cost. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Which I, I think is pretty neat. I think they should keep going in, that, in the Ward direction. I think that's a great mechanic. So, uh, on to the next common. Kayla, what do you got? Um, let's see. I had Priest of Ancient Lore. Ooh. It is a two colorless, one white, two one dwarf cleric. Um, when it enters battlefield, you gain one life and draw a card. Wow. You know, this was a common I picked as well. It's Super good. <laughs> um, okay, so okay, I have a little bit of a weird gripe about this. Of Okay, so we've had all these years of White not being allowed to draw cards, and then like they've been like super situational. Oh, your opponent has to have this stipulation for you to draw cards or get lands. You have to do this, you have to jump through these hoops. But now we get this common out of nowhere that just comes in the plane and draw a card. Yeah. Like, okay, alright, all of a sudden now we just got this awesome white card out of nowhere that just does the thing we've, we've been wanting for years for white. And arguably, I would say this is, um, this is on par with Cloudkin, um, uh, whatever the freaking rest of its name is, the blue elemental that's oh, also yeah. a three cost, two cost, one blue, flying to one. The only difference is this does not have flying, but this gives you one life. Which is something white likes to do is life gain, so it gaining a life could be huge. Yeah. So like this has the same stats as a blue card that does almost the same thing. Like that's crazy to me. Like, okay, white's gone into the territory of having the same power level as a blue draw, uh EBT creature draw. That's insanity to me. I think it's well, good think... for white, but at the same time, it's a little like off color pie wise. Um, I don't know. I think white's been going more into the draw territory, especially recently. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't have a problem with it. White really does need help. It's still the one color that really hurts the most for keeping up in resources. I'm not going to argue ever about it. I just think thematically, it's a little strange. I think like, like honestly, if I were to honestly want a card to exist, it would be the arena card that has the um, mentor of the meek ability, but you don't have to pay mana for it. Uh, inspiring yeah. Captain, I think it is. No, I think that's a wrong name. But he's like a six cost one four, and whenever a creature with power two or less enters battlefield, you gain a you gain like you gain a life and you draw a card. 
without paying anything. They should just print that card. So then we have that for Commander, because that is yeah. that is a good card. It's it's expensive, so it fits perfectly into white decks. It's great. So I think this card's awesome. I, I'm not the only reason I was complaining a little bit. It was like, okay, out of all these years of us complaining, did they finally just cave and just give white? Here's a draw card effect with no problem with no stipulation to draw. <laughs> did they finally just cave because they're tired of us complaining about white all these all these years? Yeah. Well, so like, I okay, I'm happy about do... it. Oh, sorry. No, you can you go ahead. I was already done. I was just saying I'm happy about it. So. <laughs> Well, I think, like, they're pushing, what is it, Azorius a lot, too, so this goes right along with the blue-white um, kind of deck mechanics that they're trying to push, so. Yeah, I, you see, those are my problems, okay, so, like, blue-white's already really good. And he doesn't need this. And they're trying to help Boros more because Boros has a has the underlying issue of always running out of fuel and just can't keep up anymore. Yeah. But like, it, this is okay in Boros, and I just kind of like Boros being attack incentive is kind of painful, and this going into Boros isn't the worst thing, but it's not very good in Boros builds. But it's a good card. I would still play it in a Boros deck because gaining one life and drawing a card for an EBT, I don't care. That's that's really good. And if you play yeah. this with, um, was it Hofri um, from Strixhaven, that whenever a, uh, a non-token creature you control dies, you basically exile it and then put a spirit copy of it into play. Mm -hmm. I think that's really good with this card. Like, that's like two cards, basically. Two for wanting for three mana. That's, that's really good. And that's a pretty cool Boros build if you played that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So, I and the fact we shared that tells you how good of a card that is. Like when I saw yeah. a card spoiled, I was like, "Holy shit, that's a common!" <laughs> Oops, I have to put the explicit episode. I have to put the explicit on the episode now because I definitely <laughs> dropped the swear because this card is spicy. It deserves it. It does. I. I <laughs> it's it's too lewd for white decks. You white decks can't handle it. They're like, "Whoa." When did the church get this hot? Well, I think also going along with Boros, um, it's got the dwarf uh, creature type, so you know, you can yeah, think about you know, running the dwarf tribal. That is really good. I'm so glad that that's become a tribal for Boros, because that's a cool synergy thing that I can be very happy about is we're, we're getting dwarves into a tribal color that really needed mm -hmm. help, and you're giving them a cool thematic thing, because, like, dwarves being Boros makes so much sense, and I love it, like... Yeah. Like, you can put Magna in, you can play, like, any number of the white dwarves, I don't think there's actually that many. I think those are more printed nowadays more than they were. Yeah, I think they're like, ramping into it. Which I like. But they're like actual dwarves. Like they play like fantasy dwarves. Like, you know, yeah. they have they have good equip they work with equipments, they work with treasures, they work with the artifacts really well. They work with each other very powerfully. 
And it's just like thematically, I love the fact that dwarves are more red white than most color schemes. I think that is such a like that's such a good thing for Boros. Like that is something really cool. That that was something that will push Boros in a good direction is giving them a fun tribe in their color scheme. Because right now, as it stands, like, okay, name a Boros tribe thing that you can think of off the top of your head that's a fun tribal to play in Boros that's not dwarves. <laughs> I want to say angels, but I guess it's more of a Azorius, not Azorius, um, Orzhov. Yeah, there's definitely more black angels than red, which is which makes I guess kind of sense because like fallen angels, you know. Yeah. But even Boros angels are kind of disappointing. I I used to play Gisela, so <laughs> that command deck was so hard. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> But, like, I agree. Like, you think Boros, okay, what's a tribe? Like, the thing that comes to mind when I think Boros tribe is humans. Like, it's so vanilla. <laughs> yeah. Like, that. it's like humans or soldier tribal for, for Boros generally is what I think. I mean, because of, like, Eldraine, we kind of got a knight tribal thing in there, but there's still, like, not enough knights to make it really powerful just to play just pure knights without equipments. Which then, yeah, if you're playing you, Germans, you might as well go Sir Gwen for the black. So, yeah, yeah, because you need the equipment definitely. So, like you said, might as well be running Sir Gwen because knights and equipment. So, <laughs> yeah, I think that's kind of like Boros needed a strong tribe that we just hadn't seen before, and I think. I think dwarves being Boros is such a thematic 100% yes, please don't stop, give me more. Like, the only other tribe I would have accepted in Boros as being a thematic win would be Samurai. <laughs> so, maybe when we go back to Kamigawa, maybe they will give us our Boros Samurai leader, because that would be sweet. Yeah. All right. Well, that was commons. Let's uh, jump into uncommons now. Um, I guess since you went first, I'll go first this time. Um, I think I'm going to go with an enchantment here. Called Cleric Class, which is one white... And it has three abilities, which are... This is a weird leveling mechanic. Um, it's, act, it's passive right off the bat as an enchantment is if you would gain life, you gain that much life plus one instead. Uh, level two, which costs three colorless and one white to get it to level two. Whenever you gain life, put a well encounter on target creature you control. And then at level 3, 4 colorless and 1 white. When this class becomes level 3, return dark creature card from your graveyard to the battlefield. You gain life equal to its toughness. So, Heliod on an enchantment, basically. Yeah. <laughs> they had to give life gain something because Heliod was cycling out of standard, right? Is this what this is? Like, that's kind of what this kind of gives me the vibes of. Yeah, they had to replace him. <laughs> yeah. 
I mean, they didn't have to. I wish they didn't. I think this is a really solid card. I don't think this card's ever not going to be good. And that uncommon is super good. The Heliod effect, which is a mythic effect, is placed on an uncommon. Just wow. And it also has Reanimator tagged in. Mm-hmm. I don't think there's like like the other the the cleric card. I think this goes into every single white deck as well. I will say the five cost to return a kind of low creature. Well, return a low creature. That's any creature. Oh, okay. I I kept reading it as um. I guess with the three, I kept reading it as a, a CMC. I think you were like, thinking of like a, a Sun Titan effect. Yeah, that's what, what I was thinking. thinking. <laughs> but this is better because you can grab literally any creature out of your graveyard for five mana, which most resurrection effects are like four or less generally. But uh, even at five mana in a clutch situation, this could be a huge play and you gain life equal to its toughness. Like, Okay, I have like something that's like I don't know, like a desolation twin in my graveyard. I'm gonna bring that back into play. Oh look, I gained ten life. Yeah. To put it I paid five mana to get a ten ten in the play and gain ten life for five mana. That's pretty good. <laughs> I think yeah, the only sad thing I is I thought it was actually. Huh? That's that's a lot better than I was thinking, actually. Yeah, but the only drawback is you can only do it once. And once you're at level 3, it's done. Then you have to like bounce it to your hand if you really want to re- revisit it, or you yuri on it. Yeah, so you kind of just have a dead enchantment unless you have some interaction. Yeah, and then like if you're playing life game, then you get the counters, and then you gain the bonus life. So, like Even if you gain 10 life with this in play, you gain actually 11 because of it. Because it's basically that creature's toughness plus one because of the enchantment itself. Mm-hmm. So, like, even grabbing something that's, like, one toughness gaining two life is in a bad bad enough situation where, like, you could be one point away from dying and gaining two life would be really good. The only problem is, is you have to do a sorcery speed, which means you can't just reanimate on somebody else's turn, which is kind of a sad thing. But it's a good card. Yeah. I don't think this card will not be played. I think this card is going to see play. Every single life gain deck is probably running this. <laughs> There's n- Orlo decks are just laughing at how much life they gain because now they're gaining three life on every upkeep of their upkeeps. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so like turn one, cleric class for Orlo. I gain two life on my turn one. Gain three life on my turn two. Gain three life on my turn three. <laughs> That was almost that was eight life in three turns in the first three turns of the game. Without Nasty. with only paying one mana. <laughs> Insanity. So what do you got? Um let me see here. So I guess my First uncommon kind of goes with the life gain. Um, so I had Trilisara Moon Dancer, and Ooh. she is a 
One green, one white, two, two, elf cleric. Whenever you gain life, put a plus one, plus one counter on her and scry one. Uh oh. It's uh, a Johnny's Pride's mate, but you got scry ability, and at least they're getting away from just the mono white. So you're kind of forced to play with the green. I have a secret desire. What's that? We just got a green-white cleric that does life gain things, Kava. I want Abzan life gain now. Please. Oh, yeah. Give it to <laughs> me. <laughs> That's a good point. I didn't think about that. Because we have black-white clerics already. Now we just got white-green cleric. Do we, do we have a black-green cleric? I'm sure we do. I feel like we should. Let me look Let it up. Let me take a little research. But that card is phenomenal. We do have a black green cleric, but it's not life gain oriented. Be mm. sad. Hapatra was the one that came up when I looked it up. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Hapatra's really good, but that does not have anything to do with life gain. <laughs> right. <laughs> wait a second. Oh, wait, maybe, maybe, maybe. So maybe, like, because you're putting counters on this girl, so maybe you throw, like, one one, egg one counters at her, and then you get snakes. Yeah. And then you gain life for a creature's entering battlefield. There you go. It, it fits right into that life gain strategy. What do you think of that one, Kayla? I think I want to see this deck now. <laughs> Abzan life gain cleric deck? Yeah, I'm just trying to think. You can do a lot with that. Yeah, and there's so much support nowadays. We got that Witherbloom commander deck that was just all about life gain and life loss. Oh yeah, you can just kind of... You could even take that apart a little bit. And add your white. Yeah, just add white and white green cards because you got like Oracle and Nectars, which is a white mm -hmm. green elf cleric that used gain X life as an activated ability on it. So who would your commander be then? Oh my gosh. Like, oh, okay. Um, I guess we'll get a little off topic a little quickly. Just I'll 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 look at them real fast and I'll let you know. Let me look at the legends in Abzan, and we'll find out. Or Necros, they th say. Mm -hmm. Let's see what's the most relevant thing that would be appropriate for this thing. Mm. What deals with life gain? There's not really a lot. There's okay. Nethroi. This yeah, I was thinking Nethroi would be the best. I think like Nethroi or uh, Nethroi and or like uh, I think Conifer would be interesting to play as well. Nethroi or uh, Conifer would be great, I think. Well, if you're running a lot of legendaries, then Kethos. Yeah. And I mean, if you keep all your clerics below CMC 3 or less, you could always do Tyam, because you're putting counters on things. But then that would also go well with Netheroy. 
Yeah, because like Tiam just removes counters, and then you can pull, you mill three, and then you return a CMC three or less card from your graveyard to the battlefield, which could be lands too. So, but that's like a self mill strategy, which would be kind of awkward. Yeah, I think Nethroy or like Conifer would be really solid. Solid Condor, uh, Corridor, maybe if you're really wanting to be bold, but I think. I think Nethro is probably the best option because it has lifelink. Mm-hmm. And then the cleric you mentioned was what? Uh, uh, was an elf cleric you said? Yeah. So you could mutate um, Nethro right on top. Oh god, that's true. And then it's like... It's got Death Touch, Lifelink, and then it has that giant ability of, oh, I, whenever I gain life, I put a woman counter on it, and <laughs> and I scry. That seems pretty powerful, actually. Mm-hmm. And I think people, if you played, like, Nethro, they'd expect, like, a Mutate deck, but, like, you're actually just playing, like, some, like, Abzan life gain deck. Secret, secret Commander. I mean, you could always do, like, partners, too. Yeah, that's true. I'm not going to go looking into that, because we could be here for hours if I look into those (laughs) partners. So. Um, I think she's really solid. The scry is super powerful. Like, you can always just scry away things you don't need. So, that's really good. Mm Mm-hmm. And very relevant. Green's got huge life gain, so does White. So it's like you could easily build that deck. You could be really fast too. Like that deck would not be slow. Like you could build it really quickly and it would get out of control very fast. Yeah. I think your opponents would have a hard time dealing with it depending on how fast you go. Well, she's so cheap. Yeah, two drop. Literally a pride mate in the command zone. It's like the worst kind of pride mate because it never goes away. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> All right. On to my second uncommon, then we'll get your second uncommon, correct? Yep. All right. I have Kaylin, the reclusive painter, a black and a red. So two cost legendary creature, human elf bard. Um, when Caitlyn, Reclusive Painter, enters the battlefield, create a treasure token. Okay, ramping. And Rakdos. Okay. Um, other creatures you control enter the battlefield with an additional 1-1 counter on them for each mana spent from a treasure to cast them. And she is a 1-2 on base. That's a lot of treasure. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of too bad there isn't like a mana rock out there that's just treasure that doesn't sacrifice itself to produce mana. You know? Mm, I'm trying to think. Oh, wait, 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 wait. There is a way. Okay, 
this is going to be crazy and this would be like the most insane thing you could probably do with this deck but like okay um but you have to spend mana hmm go ahead and if you have a thought i am looking something up um, I'm just thinking of ways to get her to keep coming back into the battlefield. Like some sort of flicker effect, so you keep getting that treasure. Um, Ponder's Closet would be a good one. Yeah. Um... Uh, trying to think. Uh, yeah, I think Conjurer's Cause is probably a good one. Um, you could run some of the Black Ninjutsu and Ninjutsu herself back into your hand. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's a little bit like kind of going or going, huh. kind of beating around the bush a little bit. <laughs> um. see here there's gotta be something sorry i'm investigating something here uh but yeah she's really good like because if i can figure out an artifact that like lets you tap your artifacts from mana i know something like it exists um, I'm just trying to find it. <laughs> I... See here. Okay, like, I could think of, like, a really crazy way of doing it, but this would be, like, the most, like, you couldn't, you'd have to play, like, Jund. The way I'm currently thinking, because I just cannot think off the top of my head. Because I know there's a card out there that lets your artifacts tap for mana. Like, I know Urza does it, but that's blue, and you'd have to do, like, Grixis. Which, actually, you could just do. Because mm. if you think about it, you're tapping the artifacts for blue mana. Like you drop in a like okay, <laughs> Kayla. Well, you know it's horrifying. What? Let's say let's hypothetically say you you are playing Grixis, right? Okay. Let's let's say we're playing Grixis. Um, I don't know, maybe something Nekasar and have like a hidden treasure deck with Nekasar. Maybe that's thematically hilarious. <laughs> Everyone fears you because of the wheels. Hopefully, you don't get killed out, but you probably will. You play her, you run Urza, and you're actually running like a secret Tron deck or something. Mm. So let's say, hypothetically, you have 10 treasures in play. Somehow it happened, right? And you have Urza. Um, not 10. Let's, let's be bold. Let's say 15. Oof. And let's, let's say you cast Ulamog and use Urza to tap all your artifacts for blue mana. So, I don't know if the wording of... I'll, I'll look up Urza real quick and see if that works. 
Because if that works, this could be really nasty. Um, Urza, Urza, where are you? Okay, Mr. Urza, um, tap an untapped artifact you control, add a blue. No, I don't think it works because it's not the same source. Like, okay, so, like, the other thing I was thinking you could potentially do to really mess with people with that is if you go into Jund. Again, this is, like, ugh, this would be so hard. Like, actually, maybe Jund might not be enough. You'd have to maybe go into, like, five-color artifact, maybe play, like, Ramos or something. Again, let's get, like, ten treasures. Let's say you have something that busts your artifacts by 1-1, one, one, right? Let's say you have, like, Ethereum Engineer or something. Mm -hmm. Again, this is super jank. Like, this is not a viable combo, but this is something hilarious I was thinking about. Okay, so, like, alright, you have Ethereum Sculptor, so your artifacts get plus one, plus one, your artifact creatures. Let's say, let's go into stipulation again. You have 15 artifacts with, with her in play. The painter. Um, let's say you have like March of the Machines or your artifacts or creatures. Again, this is super jank, so this wouldn't be something easily obtained. You'd have to work hard for it. <laughs> so you could so all your treasures are now one once. Um then you play something like a Shia. Then you don't have to sacrifice your treasures and you could tap them all for mana and you play like Ulamog and his power <laughs> deafness is doubled based off his mana <laughs> God, that's true. Like you could that's like the most janky thing you could ever do, but like if you think about it, that's hilarious. Like who would ever expect you to dump like all that mana with all your treasures? not dying, and then making a stupid huge Eldrazi. I mean, with, for like, her ability to activate, do you have to use the treasures in the way they're intended to? You have to use the treasures to tap for mana. So it's like mana made from treasures. So, like, Urza doesn't work because Urza generates the mana, which is why he doesn't work. But don't you have to sacrifice them in order to have them? So work? remember, I mentioned Ashaya. They're lands now. They're artifact lands. I'm just wondering if her ability, like you have to, because her ability doesn't say that you have to sacrifice them. It just checks if the mana was spent from an from a treasure, basically. And since yeah, you're producing mana from a treasure, it does work that way. Which is why I was like, man, there's too, it's too bad there's no like treasure creature that exists. <laughs> Maybe they'll make one. Yeah. But like my way, that's like the only way you can keep your treasures around and produce the mana. Potentially. Like I think there's probably another way. I just don't, I just can't think of the card off the top of my head. Or maybe it just doesn't exist. Maybe it's something that doesn't exist yet. Anyway, I kind of went on a tangent. Sorry. Uh, your turn. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see. That was, like, the, 
that was like a five color janky combo if you're doing that crazy crazy ofness you're probably wasting your time just to do something sillyly jank yeah be cool to see it though yeah um my next uncommon i had drider ooh um, it is a four colorless, one black, four, three elf spider. And it's got reach. Whenever Dryder deals combat damage to a player, create a two, one black spider creature token with menace and reach. Did you say whenever it deals combat damage to a player? Yep. Wow. Not bad. I've seen this go off pretty hard in standard play. Um, I don't know, just all the tokens they can generate, and the tokens have reach and menace. So you're going to have to throw up two blockers just to block little tokens. That's pretty powerful. That's a very hardy thing to do to somebody. Yeah. And then, like, with that, the... So you get the tokens out, and then they go really well with Loth. Mm. The new planeswalkers with her emblem. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And she creates those tokens, too, so, I mean... Yeah. It goes really well in Spider Tribal. Yeah. Even in Elf Tribal. Ugh. (laughs) <laughs> That's pretty nasty. It just like because elves always buff each other. So I would go good yeah. in like that, like what Elven Empire Galgari deck that they made. Oh yeah, that would. Because that deck is Throw already going wide, and then this is just something else that can help go wide. Give it some reach, which is nice. You know what would also be really nice with this thing. Mm. Is some double strike. Oh god. <laughs> you make two you tokens every time you land a hit. Tokens, mm. yeah. And it, and if you're playing this into a black green strategy, which you probably will be, because I don't imagine you would play this in either I think this is a black green strategy or like a mono black strategy. Where like you want to go in with it because you're wanting to make those black spiders. So you're gonna mm-hmm. try to like get double strike, which means Based on, like, if you're playing black-green, you could give it Trample and Death Touch, which means, oh, look, you have to actually block with three... You have to... What's its power? Four? Right? Uh, Or was it three? It was four. So they have to throw four creatures in front of this thing so it doesn't land a hit. Yeah. (laughs) So that's that's a pretty big issue. Because, like, Black Green's really good at getting Death Touch Trample, which means, oh, you throw one creature in front of it, well, three of its damage is going to trample over and hit you. Yeah. No, I think this goes into Golgari, at least, for sure. Yeah, I think Golgari or even Jund, because, like, Tannis um, is forcing people to attack every turn, so it's, like, incentivizing people not to have blockers. Then this could go in and get hit people, and then you could get, like, these reaching spiders as blockers every time you land a hit, which is, that's pretty good. Mm-hmm. 
That's a really good card. I I've been sleeping on that one. <laughs> Pinch me. Is that it for our uncommons? Yeah, I think so. Well, I started first last time, so it's your turn to start up on the rares. Alright. Um Guess first up I had Zorn. Uh mm. <laughs> there's a two colorless, one red, three two elemental. If you would create one or more treasure tokens, instead create those tokens plus an additional treasure token. So double your tokens. Well, I'm glad you say this because so it's so read that wording one more time. If you would create one or more treasure tokens instead, create those tokens plus an additional. So it just so adds guess, one more. Yeah, it adds one more. But if you can have different instances, which isn't that hard to do, then you keep getting your additional. And I mean, it's not hard to like keep... There's so many treasure creation nowadays. That's pretty big. Yeah. I was thinking about it. I, I was just having a ballpark idea here. Because <laughs> of course I was. You know what this really helps? And I don't think it was intended to. Mm. It's like, okay, so it really helps the Bora strategy and it really encourages people to play like Smothering Tithe with this. You know? I'm That's trying to nasty. Think of smothering. What's so, like, Smothering create, Tithe again? Um, smothering Tithe is three colors, one white enchantment. Um, whenever, an, whenever an opponent would draw a card, they must pay, they can pay two mana, and if they don't, you create a treasure token. Oh, jeez. <laughs> and with Zarn, you're creating two treasure tokens per one opponent drawing who doesn't pay. Pay two or I get two. That's pretty strong in Boros. Like, getting that much mana ramp is huge. God, that's just oppressive. <laughs> yeah. And then I was also like, so that wasn't what I was initially thinking, but I was like, for Boros, that's that's very solid, unfortunately. It just means Smothering Tide is going to be even more expensive. Yeah. It already is. And I don't have one. I'm like, uh <laughs> but like so with Zorn I was thinking about it and I was like what's the best way to exploit it and I was like hmm what's a good doubling tree uh, token thing and I was like if we put this in the most ideal decks so we put it in Gruul or we put it in Naya and we just play double tokens <laughs> jeez <laughs> parallel lives primal vigor doubling season second harvest oh uh, I mean, wow. <laughs> and if you don't want to, I mean, anointed procession in white, but if you wanted to go uh, Temer instead and go red, green, blue, then you could get the new Simic commander that came out in Strixhaven that whenever you'd create a, t um, a token, you create that plus one, basically. Mm. It's basically parallel lives on a creature. 
So, and it's not specific to creature tokens, it's just token creep production. So, I believe there's, anyway. I should probably There's also check a lot of like mana ramp and elemental tribal. So, this could get out of hand really quickly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Andrix and Nev, twin casters, two colorless, green and a blue, Merfolk Wizard, Legendary 2 2, Ward 2. If one or more tokens would be created under your control, twice that many tokens are created instead. So with Zorn adding a plus one, you're basically doubling the initial and then you're adding the plus one, which means you're getting two from the plus one. Jeez. <laughs> so that's a lot of money. Pachink. And then if you go in the Temer strategy, you could even throw in Essex, so then you could turn your treasures actually into creatures, even. You could turn mm. them all into Zorns. God. Because <laughs> Essex reads, the first time you create one or more tokens during each of your turns, you may instead choose a creature other than Essex Fractal Bloom. Create that many tokens that are copies of that creature. So you turn all your treasures into Zorns. Jeez. And because it does say an additional treasure, so each time you'd create a treasure from that point on, you're just like exponentially making a ton of treasure. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Zorn's a really solid card. Like, there's so many things you could do. And I, like I said, Gruel would even be hilarious. Now Gruel has like a token strategy. And I don't think Gruel was ever meant to have a token strategy like that, but now it does. <laughs> Hey. Put lives into a token strategy for Gruul decks. Why not? Yeah. Do it. It's something that's not been like a big push thing. Most times it's just big dumb creatures in Gruul. Now you can just play a token strategy. Which I mean, you probably could have already, but like now it's even more supported nowadays than it was before. Zorn. Very solid. What else, would you do anything else with Zorn? Uh, I'd run... I would just go elemental heavy. Honestly. Some like elemental, elemental tribal? Yeah. Oh, maybe like, like new Omnath? Yeah. Or even like coordinations, maybe? You want to go like five color? Yeah, that would be interesting. Did those treasure tokens help you fix for five color? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so. I guess I'll go into mine. Yeah. Which I picked Skeletal Swarming. Standard All-Star right now. I've seen it in a lot of arena decks and it is the most infuriating thing to go up against. Reason being, it's a three colorless black and green enchantment. Each skeleton you control has trample and attacks each combat if able and gets plus X plus O where X is the number of other skeletons you control. 
And at the beginning of your end step, create a tapped 1-1 black skeleton creature token. And if a creature died this turn, create two of those tokens instead. Jeez. <laughs> you know, this card on its own has won games. I have seen this card kick my butt so many times, it's infuriating. Because you don't even have to do anything. I don't know why I've been sleeping on that card. This card is so powerful. It is... It's a powerhouse. Like, okay. Like, it just checks if you have skeletons. And it's like mi a miniature coat of arms for your skeletons with trample. Like, this is better than coat of arms. Because this specifically focuses on your skeleton tribal. Which means does it? You... Huh? Oh, go ahead. I was gonna say, does it stack on itself? So if you had two of these yeah. out, if you have oh two skelly God. boys out, they are both two-two tramplers. And then you get four. Well, if tokens? something dies, um, if something died on your turn, you get two. Which I mean, you're playing Galgar. That's not even hard. Well, I mean, if you had two of the enchantments out, would you get four? Um, so, like, okay, if you have two of these out, and and then you had two skeletons, let's say, they would become four ones. Each. But then if a creature died, would you get the... You get the end step trigger on both enchantments. So you'd create okay. four of these dang things. Yeah, that's what I was wondering. Yeah, that's exactly how it works, and it gets out of control very fast, and you don't even have to do anything. It still creates one skeleton, and it's like a miniature coat of arms only for skeletons. It's like, this is a specific tribe coat of arms that grants trample, which is huge. Like, did they need to give these things trample? Could they have just made it plus X plus X? <laughs> it's more <laughs> balanced, because the trample makes these skeletons so hard to deal with. I guess thematically, though, it makes sense. Like, in Commander, this is even a really powerful card, because, like, you put, like, because it's in black-green, and if you're playing black-green, you just easily just toss, like, a bowl, uh, bow of Naelia, which means these skeletons are already forced to attack every turn, and bow of Naelia gives them death touch, attacking creatures you control death touch, which means these things are trampling over for damage. Guaranteed. Jeez. <laughs> And, like, if you're including this in a commander deck, like, you could play Skeleton Tribal with this, um, and it would be nasty. Isn't there a card that copies enchantments? Um, there are a few. Um, they're all blue, I believe. <laughs> so you'd have to go into, oh no, Soltite. Oh my gosh, another broken Soltite. Oh yeah, <laughs> I would love to see that. <laughs> oh, it'd be so nasty. Someone comes into Commander and you just see like three of these enchantments in play and you're just like, they're creating a minimum of these three skeletons. They're getting three plus effects, which means they're getting plus nine on their power. So these are ten one skeletons of trample with three oh, yeah. in the dream world. <laughs> I mean, yeah, and if like 
you're doing it that way too like i don't know if there's a way in that color scheme to turn enchantment to a creature but if you were able to you could even clone it to to a bill oblivion too Mm-hmm. But like, even it just being black green is pretty nasty because there's already tons of skeletons in that color, and it's like, so like, uh, I I think there's like there's a lot of Galgari skeletons, and that's nasty. Uh, let me give an example of one, because there is a bunch. I'm sure there is. Oh, no, there's only four. Oh, no, there's so many. That's <laughs> in black green. I mean, there's plenty of black skeletons. They usually have regenerate. Well, here's a here's an all-star I'm sure you'll remember if I mention it, and you'll just probably go, oh my gosh. Deathless Night. I don't remember that one. It's an Eldraine card. Oh, oh yeah. Galgari. That's a skeleton. It's a skeleton knight. And it's a 4-2 haste. Whenever you gain life for the first time each turn, return Deathless Night from your graveyard to your hand. Jeez. Imagine that getting boosted by the enchantment. Yeah, so like this getting boosted by enchantment, it's already a 4 2, and then all the other skeletons get bigger because of him. Just, oh, gross. And then, like, black is just the color of skeletons. So, I mean, you can just run any number of them most of the time they come back. Oh, here's a good one for you, Kayla. You'll appreciate this one. Run Skithrix in there. Ooh. Because Skithrix is a skeleton, Mr. Skittles. See, and it has the regenerate. Yeah, Mrs. Skeletons has regenerate. It has infect. It's a skeleton. Oh no. I have I have five skeleton tokens and I play a Skithrix and give it haste. You're dead. If you have no flying. Wow, that's that's nasty. Yeah. <laughs> um, there's a ton of really good skeleton boys. Most of them come out can come out of graveyards. Mm-hmm. Um, Paragon of the Open Graves, nasty. Uh, three colorless, one black skeleton warrior. Other black creatures you control get plus one, plus one, and then another. Cr- Black creature you control gains death touch until end of turn as an activated ability of two colors, one black, tap it, another black creature gains death touch. And it's a 2-2. So this, with the enchantment, just makes your skeletons bigger, give something death touch, so that thing has to be blocked by multiple creatures, otherwise they're taking a huge hit. This deck just seems really gross. Yeah. <laughs> I think it could get out of control very quickly. Um, and there is one green skeleton. Oh, It's weird. an all-star, though. 
Galgari Grave Troll, four colorless, one green troll skeleton. Enters the battlefield with a one encounter on it for each creature card in your graveyard. Pay one colorless, remove a one encounter from Galgari Grave Troll to regenerate it. And it has dredge six. Mm. So yeah, in any Galgari uh, strategy, this card just basically wins the game. And even if you're not even doing much, like this card just wins the game because yeah, it it already is like it, it's an engine on itself, which I think is so overpowered. So I think we're done talking about skeleton swarming because coat of arms plus I create tokens of the coat of arms creature. It's like. It was. Jeez. It would be like a sliver legion created one sliver every time, every turn. I think it should. <laughs> <laughs> now that you Which say that, we already know like that kind of effect is overpowered, and the fact that they put both those effects on a single card tells you how powerful this card is. Mm-hmm. And Kayla, you want to hear the thing according to my TCG app? What? This is a bulk rare. Oh God. <laughs> Watch, this card's going to skyrocket. People are going to be like, whoa, this card's great! And then they're going to buy it up, and then it's going to turn it to like, one of those like, $10, $20 cards, because this card is good. It generates an army. It creates an army. Why wouldn't you play this? Parallel Lives, I create two skeletons. I have doubling season in play as well. Those two skeletons become four skeletons. Oh, wait, I created two instead? Never mind. Let me go two to four... To eight. Let me just create eight tokens from one thing dying. How do you feel about that? I'm scared of this deck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this card's really good. Very powerful. Don't sleep on it because it's really good. Standard players, commander players alike, this is a good card. It can single-handedly win games. So. What do you have for a rare? I think this is what, your uh, second rare? Uh, yep. Alright. Uh, let's see. God, where is it? Um... Oh, that's right. So I had Oswald Fiddlebender. He is a one colorless, one white, two two gnome artificer. Uh, he has magical tinkering. Pay one white, tap, sacrifice an artifact. Search your library for an artifact with, or sorry, search your library for an artifact card with mana value equal to one plus the sacrificed artifact's mana value. Put it onto the battlefield, then shuffle. Activate only as a sorcery. Birthing pods for artifacts. I don't think this card's good at all. What do you think? No, not at all. <laughs> <laughs> No, I'm kidding. I, this card is phenomenal. No, I know. <laughs> I just... God, there's so much you can do with this card. Just, you get it out early and you start your 
I guess, building the 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 ladder up to your huge artifact. The only issue is if somebody on their turn plays a destroy artifact, that would hurt. <laughs> Yeah, but I think for the most part, if you're playing an artifact deck, you're not going to run out of steam. You're just going to play another artifact. Yeah, there's even if of it's options. like a token thing, like you're creating artifacts that just generate tokens every turn, like uh, Tamiya's Journal or something. You turn your clue tokens into something valuable. I you know, mean, you uh, could, ring is honestly, never bad. You could hmm? do honestly. Um... God, what is it? Treasure tokens, because then you could, like, if you have nothing out there, you can get your one-cost artifact. Yeah, like, turn a, turn a treasure token into a soul ring. Woo! Mm -hmm. Spicy. Or, like, um... Gosh, there's so many good one-drop artifacts nowadays. And then, like, turn them into two, to three, to four... Like, even if, like, you have, like, Illusionist Bracers, like, you could get two things every time you crack him. Like, oh, I have two treasure tokens with Illusionist Bracers, bracers on him. My tongue is all by the rug right now. Sorry. <laughs> um, you, you crack two treasures with Illusionist Bracers, get two one-drops, then you go to two two-drops, and then two three-drops. I see. Yeah. I Good just really like card. it. You can just search out your artifacts every turn. Yeah. You could even turn a land into value. Like, if you have an artifact land that's not doing anything, I sack it, oh, yeah. you'll get a one-drop. I always forget about those artifact lands. They're really like, good. Like, uh, Ancient Den, I think, is the mono-white one. Mm-hmm. So. Very solid card. Birthing Pod is a terrible mechanic. Nobody should play it because it's not powerful at all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh my gosh, Kayla. You know what I just realized? What? Over, the, over these years, we have a bant strategy of Birthing Pod because we have um, Prime Speaker... Uh, I can't remember her name. But the one from the Simic Guild of the recent years, Ravnica, mm. who has the Birthing Pod effect on a blue-green... And then you put him in there, so like you can birthing pod for artifacts, birthing pod for creatures. Hey, look, it's a bant value deck. Could you expect oh, it? <laughs> that would be really interesting. And then you could just do a huge token strategy where you're just like making tons of tokens and then turning your tokens into value pieces and just being like, I have the power. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this card's really good. <laughs> There's no way it's not bad. Like, in all aspects, there's no way this card ever is terrible. Like, searching your deck for anything is always good. Yeah. Is it one or is it it's CMC or less, or is it the, the exact CMC? Can you? I I don't have the card pulled up. Um, I just closed it. Hold on. Uh, let's see. It is. Search your library for an artifact card with mana value equal to 1 plus the sacrifice. Oh, it isn't less. I was about to say, if it was less, you could get, like, um, you know, Lotus Bloom that is a zero cost, technically. 
Oh, yeah. But because it does specify plus one, you do have to get a one drop, which is still good. Mm -hmm. I just, you won't be able to get that out of your deck. That was something I was just curious about. Still really good. Just not overpowered. (laughs) I think it's pretty powerful. Just, it's fair powerful because it is sorcery speed like Birthing Bot, and we all know Birthing Bot's always really powerful, so. Yeah, awesome card. Um, just because we're kind of running lower on time, I'm going to try and speed through my next rare here, and then the Mythics as well, and then our two showcases, just so then we can uh, get through it, because we are starting to run low on time. And the next one I think is pretty straightforward. I don't need to talk about it much. So, um, and that one is Wizard Spellbook. Five colors, a blue and a blue artifact. Tap it, exile an instant or sorcery card from a graveyard. Note, a graveyard doesn't have to be yours. Uh, roll a d20. Activate only as a sorcery. The three roll effects, first one being one through nine. Copy that card, you may cast the copy. So you have to pay the mana value for it. Uh, Ten through nineteen, copy that card. You may cast the copy by paying one colorist instead of that mana cost. Okay, a one drop for whatever you're casting. Probably pretty good if you get that result, which is probably the median of where you're rolling. So that's probably what you're going to expect most of the time. And then if you crit success, which is the 20, if you roll this 20, it is it is Fiesta Party. Copy <laughs> each card exiled with Wizard's Spellbook. You may cast any number of copies without paying their mana costs. Jeez. Isochron Scepter on steroids, and it's super expensive. <laughs> I mean, just imagine hitting that 20, though. Yeah, I know, like, you have, I don't know, like, it being, like, five costs is probably really expensive. But, I mean, you could do, like, Master Transmuter, oh, I get rid of my Silvering Play, Wizard Spellbook, turn three. Turn three or four. Mm-hmm. Ooh. Now it's a problem. Now people have to really consider about their spell playing at and they have to think about getting rid of this at the same time. Like, if people don't have an immediate answer for this artifact, you're just going to start getting their valuable spells, and then you rolling a 21 time is going to be catastrophic, regardless what it is. Yeah. Like, that 20 is... You're, you're probably winning if you roll a 20 on this card. Because people play extra turn spells, and if they don't exile themselves, they usually hit graveyard like um, like time warp. Like it's it's probably a very good strategy. You're playing any kind of spells matters deck. This is going in. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, it is a bit slow. You do have to figure out a way to cheat it in pretty quickly. But it's in blue, and blue's really good about cheating artifacts into play. So no. Blue's not. <laughs> Girl, we did just talk about a white card that was really good about doing that. Yeah, that's true. Hey, look, your Azorus is getting more of an artifact tribal base. See, blue-white. 
But uh, yeah, I don't think we could mention any number of instances of sorceries that are good with this. Probably X costs are terrible and you don't want to get those on here, but anything else that's a big mana dumb spell, getting that onto this artifact is huge. And the, the spells you exile with it, they're exiled with this, which means your graveyard hating, this is good against Kest decks. Graveyard hate plus also I can also maybe play it. Pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think we need to talk about spells matters decks. So I don't know if they're good or not. I think they're pretty terrible, right? Storm decks are bad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we'll just we'll just pretend this doesn't exist. Don't look at that card. That card doesn't exist. Don't worry about it. Don't even think about it. <laughs> So now we're on to the mythics now, right? Yep. Uh, you went first last time? Yeah. Alright, I'll start this one off with the Book of Exalted Deeds. Of course I have to talk about the, the fun card. <laughs> Purple white. So this costs three mana value, but all has to be white. No generic allowed. Legendary Artifact. At the beginning of your end step, if you have gained three or more life this turn, create a 3-3 three, three white angel creature token with flying. Mm, you know I love angels. Then has this awesome text at the bottom. Three white white. It's mana cost. Tap it. Exile Book of Exalted Deeds. Put an enlightened counter on target angel. It gains, you can't lose the game, and your opponents can't win the game. Activate only as a sorcery. <clears throat> hmm. Hey, Kayla, how do you feel about this one? Well, I know it had controversy and standard and got banned because of the land creature. Faceless Haven. Yep. Faceless Haven is all creature types, for those of you who don't know. It's a colorless land. And when you animate it, it becomes a changeling, which means it's all creature types when you animate it. So you could put this enlightened counter on a land, then let it reanimate it, then it becomes a land once more, and then, look, they have to have land destruction to make you lose the game. How I, fun is that? I mean, Promoting I Armageddon. Say... I see. I see you, wizards. Promoting people to play Armageddon because there's no way people aren't doing this in, in EDH, right? I gotta say, I've seen quite a bit of land destruction recently, especially with the troll. Uh, what was it? Awaken the Trolls. Yeah. From uh, Call Time. Mm -hmm. Good, good card. So I will say, I've run into quite a few land destruction decks, which are always just rage quit <laughs> yeah so you know there's there's also another funny strategy about this hmm. which i was thinking about and i was like that's hilarious so this is definitely an ors off card or like an Axan strategy because Axan strategy already promotes this kind of play because you play like Cathriel, you know the counters matter deck or tyam mm -hmm. or even um i don't know uh, Athreos coin coin deck. What those decks have in common is the Ozolith. 
Oh, yeah. <laughs> so you can put that enlightened counter on the Ozolith, because if your creature leaves play, at being exile or dying, that counter, or even being shuffled away, if that creature leaves play with the Alliant counter, if you have the Ozolith in play, the Ozolith now gets the Alliant counter, now they have to get rid of the Ozolith. Which, I mean, artifact destruction is pretty common, but, like, it's annoying, right? Mm-hmm. And then you can just throw an Enlightened counter on a non-angel. Jeez. Which means, oh, look, I animate a land. I don't even have to have Baseless Haven at all. And another fun thing is, if you have Skullbriar... Oh, jeez, yeah. With the Ozolith, and, like, you put it on an angel, the angel goes away, you put it on the Ozolith, and then you put the counters on the Skullbriar... Skullbriar's mm -hmm. text says, counters don't go off of him if he leaves zones. Which is God. basically like an Ozolith effect. Running that Abzan, I see. Yeah, so Abzan's strategy is very powerful with this card. I, I think I need a judge rolling because this is something I thought about, and it's like, okay, so... So, Skullbriar doesn't lose his counters whenever he leaves zones, right? Whenever he goes into mm -hmm. Delder Zones, like Graveyard or Command Zone or whatever. The only time that happens if he loses his identity, like being shuffled into a deck or something, right? So let's say you had an Ozolith in play with a Skullbriar. So you put all the counters that were on it onto the Ozolith. So that means when Skullbriar leaves playing, if it had this Enlightened counter, your Ozolith now also has an Enlightened counter. And then Skullbriar still retains its Alliant counter. Yeah, that I was be, wondering That's that. my judge question. I, I need to go ask that because that is something I'm not sure about. I think, maybe, that you would have two light counters running around, but I don't know. There's a question. Mm-hmm. Because it's, a, it's like... I think also it might be a, re a replacement effect, and if that's the case... The counters all just go into Ozolith, and the Skullbriar loses them. It's a judge question, so if you know the answer to this one, please let me know. Uh, <laughs> we have our email listed in the podcast. Please shoot me an email if you know the answer to that. Because that is something I'm curious about. Mm -hmm. But Book of Exalted Deeds, really good card. Probably Platinum Angels, a very played card already. And this just makes something into one of those. And with how we can exploit counters nowadays, it's really good. You know, actually, uh, I'm going to mention one more thing, and then I'm going to let you do your mythic. Sorry, uh, something came to mind, and I had to investigate it. You thought of a combo? I thought of something interesting. To say the least. Um, it's it's a commander card from a year ago. From the Ikoria that oh look, Ikoria breaking more things. Who would have thought? Mm-hmm. There's a land called Nesting Grounds. Oh, it does work. That's hilarious. So Nesting Grounds is tap at a colorless land. 
but also has an activated effect of one colorless, tap it, move a counter from target permanent you control onto another target permanent. Mm. Isn't that fun? That's scary. <laughs> so now you can legitimately move these fate counters, these, uh, these, like, um, fate, um, transcended, I think it was? These transcended counters around? And then you can proliferate them and just move it on to all your lands. Jeez. I hope you're playing Armageddon. Oh, wait. That's a very frowned upon card because people don't like their lands getting destroyed. Oh, man. That's too bad. This strategy is now promoted because of this book. Nasty. <laughs> and then that could just be like a mono, right? White strat with that card because that's just a land. No colors mm. involved. <laughs> and then white already has proliferate, so why wouldn't you? Alright, um done talking about that one. Kayla, what mythic do you have? Um first one I had was Loth uh Spider Queen. Mm. She is a three colorless, two black planeswalker. Uh, she comes in with four loyalty. Whenever a creature you control dies, put a loyalty counter on her. And she has a zero cost. You draw a card and you lose one life. She has a minus three. Create two, two one black spider creature tokens with menace and reach. And then her minus eight is you get an emblem with. Whenever an opponent is dealt combat damage by one or more creatures you control, if that player lost sorry, if that player lost less than eight life this turn, they lose life equal to the difference. They must lose eight life at all times. Yep. I've seen <laughs> this run with a lot of token and death touch creatures. Because uh, obviously you want your creatures to die, get our loyalty. It's really easy up. getting that loyalty up too. Yeah, it really is. It's like that Garuk, the Golgari Garuk. Yeah, with the wolves. Um, I have to investigate this a little bit because I had a thought. How dare I? I think things. <laughs> Uh, has to be a creature you control. Oh, and I was like, man. So, actually, you know, it's hilarious if you put this in a Nekasar deck. Mm. And you have, if you somehow get that emblem with Nekasar. Oh, you drew a card on your upkeep? Oh, you got dealt a, you got dealt two damage from Nekasar. Oh, and step. How much damage you take? Only two? Now nah, let's but let's bump that up to eight. Yeah. <laughs> like Nekasar was already really powerful, this just makes it even more so. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think the only Oh no, it doesn't work that way. It has to be combat damage. Oh. But it does work in that Gagari theme. 
still. Yeah. Or if you really wanted to get creative, if you get that emblem and you, you're playing five color, maybe play like, I don't know, uh, what's her face? Krona? Or you're passing your commander around the table and slapping oh, people? Oh, yeah. <laughs> hey, look, your creature's doing combat damage. Hmm. It, was it was it less than eight? Well, let's bump it up to eight now. Take eight commander damage. Um. No, it wouldn't be eight. It would just be Krona's damage, and then they'd lose up to eight. Sadly, but it's still good. It'd be one of those like goatee decks with. Pass your commander around, but it's a really good card in black decks because, like, uh, with skeletal swarming, you know, you're creating an army. And if each skeleton didn't do eight damage, they're doing eight damage each. Mm hmm. Well, actually, no, it would only, it only happen for once because it does say one or more. So I think they thought about that too, and they were like, hmm, this could kill somebody out of nowhere. Maybe we need to think about this. <laughs> That's fair. I mean, the menace spiders are already really dangerous, so that's probably why they had to rethink about it, because menace is pretty nasty. So, it's it's really good if you can get in the damage, like a tormented, uh, what is it, tormented soul, that one drop black, unblockable spirit in mono black. Mm-hmm. Goes in for one unblockable that's eight. They have to lose seven life now from it. That's pretty. That's pretty. That's potent. Mm -hmm. <laughs> the only thing, like, I think I don't like it. I don't like that emblem because it's they have to deal combat damage. But Lolth already is just like really good. It has Phyrexian Arena stapled on with also creating tokens that protect yourself and generate loyalty. Yeah, and they have reach, so. Yeah. And of course, you're playing black, or you're probably playing this in a Golgari theme, so it's like you're recurring death things, so it's really good. Mm hmm. I mean, I understand why they didn't want to make that emblem too powerful, because that would be a nightmare if it, it was like, oh, your creatures all do a minimum of eight, which I think would have been okay to do. But I understand why they didn't, because that would be what we call not wholesome magic, right? Yeah. It's really good, though. Like, if we're looking at the ultimate and the ultimate's eh, but the rest of the card is really solid, it's a good Planeswalker, right? Because we, we rarely look at a Planeswalker for its ultimate, right? Mm-hmm. Because <laughs> most of the time, you're not getting the ultimate in most games. And on base... I think it's okay, easy with trading, her. Trading two blockers that can block flying and also can potentially get in for damage because they have to have floor, floor blockers to block your things. Like, that's... Just that minus three is so good. And then the zero loyalty effect, drawing a card, losing a life, that's playable. Insanely playable. Mm -hmm. Like, she is so solid. And if you are playing black-green with her, parallel lives, oh look, I create four spiders. Or even doubling season, she comes in with double loyalty. 
and whenever a creature you control dies, you put two loyalties on your Planeswalker, sign me up. <laughs> um, there's that new, like, Modern Horizons 2, Karth, who makes loyalty abilities cost one addition plus one loyalty effect to activate. Mm-hmm. And he's Galgari themed, so Lolth just fits into that deck super easily. Because now that you draw a card, lose one life is now a plus one loyalty effect. And even the spider effect is now just minus two, which means you lose nothing because if your spider dies, she just gets her loyalty right back. Yep. <laughs> Can we say value? Very solid card. I love it. And anything else you'd want to do with Loth or? Mm, no, that was about it. And I think our final mythic, I think we shared, didn't we? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> Which I think it was, it was a blue thing, wasn't it? Yep. Kayla, will you do the honors? Let me pull it up. Um, so we had Imris Desert Doom. It is a three colorless, two blue, five five legendary dragon. Has flying and ward four as long as it's untapped. Whenever Imris deals combat damage to a player, draw a card. Then if you have fewer than three cards in hand, draw cards equal to the difference. That's, uh, that's free real estate right there. Oh, yeah. So, if you have no cards in hand and you slap somebody with him, you draw three cards. Or her. I'm not sure what Emirates gender is. I don't want to gender incorrect it. Um, very solid. Ojitai is very played, and this, I'm sure, will be very played. I love the Ward 4 also. It's spicy. Give it Vigilance. Yeah. I was thinking that too, like doing equipment, like kind of like a Voltron build, give it just a bunch of equipment that so give it vigilance and stupid things like that. Mm -hmm. And then like because of the Ward 4, oh now the Path to Exile that they would want to do to this costs 5 mana. And that's too expensive. <laughs> <laughs> to be handling a threat like this. And the fact that it refills your hand like, even if you had, like, four cards in hand, it slaps somebody, you draw a card. Yeah. That's good enough. One card difference can change a game. If you believe in the heart of the cards, anything can happen. <laughs> heart of the cards, brain of the cards, big brain plays, think tanks, you know. Good stuff. <laughs> Yes. Very solid card. Um, I think it's... Like, I don't think it's every deck. I think you just do a build around it. Yeah. 
I think it's a good dragon for dragon decks too, because dragon decks sometimes can run out of steam and then it refills your hand, so it's really good. I will say with dragon decks, it's just a little weird in the blue, but yeah, Tiamat. Did Tiamat, um, Ur Dragon? Actually, getting more drawing with Ur Dragon is probably really good. Mm-hmm. Well, if you're having Ur Dragon in the command zone and then you have this in the deck, this only costs four mana to play. Because of Ur Dragon. Which this on turn four is absolutely devastating for your opponents because, like, now they have to consider a board wipe to get rid of it. Mm-hmm. Or in Magical Christmas Land, you turn one Soul Ring and you have two Blue Sources. You play it turn two. Gross. <laughs> With Ur Dragon in your command zone. Hmm. Kayla, we'll have to have a discussion about that later. Yeah. <laughs> but I think this card is really solid. Uh, I don't think it's really the most powerful of commander cards. I think it's really good on its own. It can be its own head leader. It can fit into Dragon Tribal pretty easily. Anything else, really? Where would you put this? No, I would just definitely give it Vigilance. Yeah, Vigilance is probably the best option. So, I guess we're on to our honorable mentions, and then we'll be done for today. And I think we shared on this one, too, didn't we? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. So let's save the shared one for last, and we'll do our other two. Okay. Um, why don't you go first again? I'm curious. Um, I had... Grizzlax. This I can never say that. Illicid. There we go. Scholar. Um, it's a one colorless, two blue, three two legendary horror. Whenever a creature you control becomes blocked, you may return it to its owner's hand. Whenever one or more creatures you control deals combat damage to a player, draw a card. Ooh. What are you doing? Uh, so you could give them unblockable. There's plenty of that in blue. And I just really liked the option of whenever, so say you don't want to lose your creature, but you still want to attack, you can just return it to your hand if they choose to block with, you know, something that's going to kill it. Hmm. EBT effects in mono blue, huh? I think that's never seen good. that. <laughs> I think that's good. Um, it has a very unique strategy of mono blue ninjas. Yeah, ninjutsu right on in. <laughs> and that's what ninjas want to do. Is to, oh, I'm blocked. No, I'm going to go back to the hand. They're doing probably some unblockable strategy, like you were saying. Yeah, on point perfection. Most people would probably go, oh, I'll just include this in my 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 uh, Yuriko deck. Because <laughs> it's, it's good. Like, Cunning Invasion's really good, and just having redundancy of that is really nice. Yeah. 
because I like being able to return my ninjas, being able to get them in for unblockable damage with my unblockable creatures, replay my unblockable creatures. Very good. Very solid. Mm hmm. Uh, I guess I'll go to my next, my honorable mention before we go to the shared one, and it will be very <laughs> quick. It's plate armor. Two colorless, one white artifact equipment, uncommon. Equipped creature gets plus three, plus three, and has ward one. Has equipped cost of three. This ability costs one less to activate for each other equipment you control. Hmm. So, you got a bunch of one-drop equipment, have one creature, its equip cost is nothing. We already talked about how leather armor was decent. This is basically leather armor, but better. But it's mm -hmm. in white. So, board one's really good, and then 3-3 three, three boost is always good. And then, if you have enough equipment, it's free to equip, so, very good. Yeah. Like the trend that we're going the... with equipments. What? Go ahead. I love the ward mechanic. That's yeah. It's nifty. It's very good. You have leather armor and plate armor. You put that on one creature. Oh, look. Now it's got ward two. <laughs> ward two and plus three, plus four. And you probably paid two mana to equip the entire suit. Yep. Two mana, ward two. I think that's pretty decent. Because <laughs> now the removal costs two more to cast. Probably pretty decent. Like I said, with the ward mechanic, it kind of turns people into we need to wipe the board because they can't target it. Yeah. So. Now on to the final, the thing we share. Drum roll. <laughs> it is... What is it, Kayla? The deck of many things? Yes. <laughs> this is a five-cost legendary artifact. With pay two colorless, tap it, roll a d20, and subtract the number of cards in your hand. If the result is zero or less, discard your hand. So, would you like to read the 1 through 9, 10 through 19, and the 20 effect? Let's see. So, 10 through 19... Oh, wait. I missed the so one through nine, nine first. <laughs> <laughs> so, one You're through good. nine, return a card at random from your graveyard to your hand. Um, 10 through 19 is draw two cards. And that nat 20 is Put a creature card from any graveyard onto the battlefield under your control. When that creature dies, its owner loses the game.
really good card. Mm-hmm. That 20 is really hard to roll, though. Unless you're playing a deck like I was considering doing for this. This is going into my Marseille deck, where I don't care if I have a hand or not. Yeah. <laughs> so the even rolling a zero is good for that deck, because I lose my hand, I don't care, so... Now mm. I have a chance to roll that 20. And I think that's the only way you can roll a 20 is if you have, um, what do we call that? Hellbent? So is this a Rakdos Madness deck card? Ooh, that's interesting. Because this can make you drop your hand. Oh, look. I have... I'm going to drop my hand. I have done tons of mana to cast my things. Boom. Let's already get all this madness going. <laughs> deck many things. A madness card that you... A madness deck build that you never expected. It can refill your hand. It can return a creature from your graveyard to your hand. I think it's a good madness deck card and... Uh, Hellbent, because you want the Hellbent strategy, so you might as well toss it into a Madness deck. Yeah. So, I, I would even throw this in my Alacia deck. Because she already reanimates, and I already kind of run like a discard mechanic in that deck, so I can just throw creatures into my graveyard, so... This would just be a redundant effect to help me discard, which would be nice. And rolling that zero, if you have like seven cards in hand, that's minus seven to your roll. So if you roll one through seven, you're rolling a zero and you'll have to discard. Mm hmm. So pretty good, I think. Do you like this card? Yeah, I think. I think it's just fun. It's another one of the mechanics that I really liked in Forgotten Realms. Gotta get the dice rolls on. Yeah. Another reason why this deck, this like set was wholesome was like, okay, even this card isn't busted. Like, you have to discard your hand to get that 20. Yeah. Like, you have to jump through hoops to make this broken. And, you know, the fact that you have to do that for like a lot of these... Kind of tells you like what the power level of the set is, and that's why I'm like, we need more sets like this so we can have a lower bar for power level. Mm -hmm. Because it's been too fast. Like, I used to play modern pretty semi competitively, and standard is like almost up there with some of the effects that have come through standard where like you could see early combos go off and just be like unable to do anything. So I think like this slowing the game down a bit is good. Yeah. And this will kind of this is the last thing we're touching up on AFR solid set. Every card we mentioned today. Awesome. Playable, very good. Not a single bad card we mentioned today. Yeah. Like, it's if we look at other sets, well like, there's so many, like, overpowered cards that you look at other cards and you're like, this card's bad. And it's like, no. 
they're not mm-hmm. they're just there's other overpowered cards that make it seem like they're bad mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's a good direction i really hope they keep this trend especially with commander legends 2 because commander legends was great except a few cards they printed that i wish were never even in existence but that's going to be our next time talk spicy yes afr solid set please continue making sets like this lower power levels make people realize you don't have to you don't have to play optimally to have fun right this is where i'm going to lead us into for our next episode which is the next episode's going to be what we call the rule zero conversation uh oh <laughs> Because I've heard this talked about several times, several, several podcasts, several videos. Everybody's talking about this. Everybody's addressing you must have the rules of conversation to have a good time in Commander. And I have to say, no one's addressing the real issue. I've heard only one group talk about the actual issue. And that was Goldfish. Mm-hmm. And I'm going, we're going to have a little conversation. I might get somebody, a guest star back to join us on this because this is an important issue that's from playing Commander as long as I have, and Kayla has as well. I don't know how long you've been playing, Kayla. You said about like what, 20, 2012 or something around there? Yep. Um, so we've been playing Commander for probably over 10 years. So, we have some very strong opinions about the Rule Zero conversation, and I'm just going to let you know, I'm sure we're going to have a lot of people unhappy with what we have to say. But it's something important that I would like to convey, because as the format has evolved, I feel like it has not evolved in the correct, ideal way that it should have evolved into. Yeah. But I will save that rent for that episode because I think me and Kayla have some very strong opinions about that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, um, but we will save that for you next time. Um, we'll probably get our guest star back that we had last time and possibly maybe somebody else as well to discuss the issues that we have seen with Rule Zero. So, our next episode will definitely be the Rule Zero conversation. So, I hope you're all going to be ready for that because it's going to be a nice, hefty, heated conversation. Yeah. (laughs) But that's next time. And today, I'm going to wrap this up. So, thank you for coming by and listening to our AFR picks today. And is there any special, like, besides the two we showcased just now, is there any special card that you just loved that we mentioned today that you didn't think about? Um, I just really like all the dragons. <laughs> yeah, the new dragons are really good. Except mm-hmm. the green one. That one can go burn. Green did not need that. Get out of here. <laughs> go, go sit in the corner. Green didn't need treasures, okay? It already has ramp. Right. You don't exist. 
but yes, uh, this has been made in EDH. I'm Chris. And I'm Kayla. And we will see you next time in the Rule Zero Conversation. <laughs> Have a good afternoon. Bye.